Welcome to the Greystone Church Podcast. We are grateful that you're here. We pray that you will be blessed by this message and that God will impact your hearts. Let's listen. Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Morning, yeah, okay, all right. I think there was a little more excitement this, this service because the earlier service, you know, time change and everything like that. So I know you guys are here this morning. I'm excited. Uh, my name is Alan and I am the missions pastor here if I haven't had a chance to meet you. Excited about being here this morning on this cold and chilly time change morning. Um, and we're gonna be continuing our, our, our advanced series. I love that, that bumper. It gets me excited every time I watch it each Sunday morning. And we're gonna be going through the book of Acts. So if you guys have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 13. Uh, again, for those who don't know me, this is a picture of my family, so I can introduce them. This is uh, my beautiful wife, Allison, my kids, Nora, Drake, and crew. Um, and so I tried to tell them a little bit about the time change last night, and my kids, like, hey guys, if y'all could just sleep a little bit longer, that'd be awesome, that'd really help us out. And I think out of spite, they woke up about 30 to 45 minutes earlier than they normally do, uh, so it is gonna be a great uh, morning for my wife, because I was leaving. So, but... Um, but I know uh, some of you guys probably felt the same thing, uh, you know, trying to challenge and encourage your kids, but, you know, we love them. So, but uh, that's, uh, that's what's going on in my life. And again, that picture, I'll talk about that in just a couple moments. But um, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 13, uh, verse 2 and 3. And again, this is continuing our series through the book of Acts, through the early church, and just kind of seeing this cool stuff. So let's check this out. Uh, verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So here, uh, God says, set apart for me Saul and Barnabas. And if you guys are just joining us, you haven't been here before, um, Saul and Paul, Saul, that was his name. And then he was converted to Christianity and now he is, his name is Paul. And so you'll kind of hear me those, hear those kind of work in and out. Um, but God is sending them out into the world to proclaim the good news. So what do they do here? When they, when they get this call from the Holy Spirit, what do they do? Do they take a year to pray about it? No. Do they, do they form a committee and say, hey, let's think about this? No. Do they raise support and do all these other things that a lot of times we encourage people to do? No. What do they do? They go. Exactly. They went. They were prayed for and they went and they had a, kind of a, a semi-game plan, but they went. And I'm not saying don't plan or when other things when God calls you to do, don't plan or do that kind of stuff. Yeah, we need those, but sometimes trying to have the perfect plan will handicap us from actually going to what we need to be doing. Because my wife says that my love languages are a good plan and efficiency. I don't know if there's any other guys out there like that. I like to have a good plan, and if we can do it efficiently, man, I'm with you. You know, let's get it done. But sometimes we try to plan too much when God calls us to something, but instead, Paul was compelled to go. His life had been changed because of Christ, and so he wanted to go and tell everyone about this plan. This actually reminded me of a story when I was reading this, this um, story right here in the, in, the, in the Bible. This reminded me of my story of Thanksgiving. We can throw that picture back up of my family. Um, this was us down, uh, down in South Georgia at Thanksgiving. You guys see us in the foreground. Y'all see in the background, see what that is? That's a pond. Okay, I'm coming to that, Okay. So we're down in South Georgia, down in Moultrie, Georgia. I got some, uh, my cousins and my aunts and uncles live down there. And, and we were down there during Thanksgiving and it was an incredible time. We had a, a blast. It's a beautiful piece of property. There's multiple ponds down there and my kids are driving this power wheel. They had a blast with their cousins and it, it was just an awesome time, right? 
So we had had lunch, and it's about 2.30 in the afternoon. We're doing the wrap-up talk. You guys know what I'm talking about. We're leaving in like 15 minutes, okay? So, you know, this was great. I wish we could do this more often. You know, that kind of stuff. We all do it. And so <clears throat> I have my back to the kids, you know, doing the great dad life thing right here. I got my back to the kids. They're over there driving the power wheel. And I'm turning around. I'm, I'm here talking to my aunt and uncles and my cousins. And I'm sitting there like this, and I, and I see one of my, my cousins jumps up out of his chair, and he's like, whoa, 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 wait. And I'm like, what, what is he talking about? And I turn around like this just in time to see my, my two youngest boys right there driving this power wheel off into the pond. And I don't know why, y'all been, if y'all ever been to South Georgia, everything's flat, but this was like little hump. They got like a little bit of air, you know, and then hit. And you're like, oh, that was cool. But then you're like, oh no, I gotta go, you know? And so I take off running. I'm the first one there and I get to the edge and guys, they're like right out of my reach. And so I'm trying to figure out what to do and I'm like, oh, I can't reach them. So you know, like I said, I like a good game plan. So I turned around looking for like a stick or something, um, but they had like just manicured their lawn, so there's no sticks anywhere, there's nothing. I don't have a, I mean, I'm trying to figure, I'm like, how am I gonna reach them, you know? And about this time, I can see out of the corner of my eye somebody coming, and it's my wife. And I just wanna let you guys know, if y'all haven't met her, she's, she's mama bear, all right? She ain't playing no games, okay? Her babies are in trouble, what's she doing? She's going in the water. She's like, what are you doing, you know? And sometimes when she tells a story, she like moves me out of the way, but she didn't do that, okay. But, but we're, she, she runs and she goes in, okay. And again, I just wanna let y'all know, they're like one step out. And so our, my uncle had been telling me, hey, listen, because we, we know our kids, we're like, they're probably gonna fall in the pond. He's like, they're not gonna fall in the pond. And if they do, it's really shallow, no big deal. Well, guys, she goes in, and like I said, she's mama bear, she goes in both feet. She jumps in, and no joke, water goes up to her shoulder. She goes, Whoosh. and I'm sitting here like, what just happened? My kid, I'm like, you know, you're trying to like figure this all out. Like what in the world? So here's the deal. Number one, I'm not about to be a bad husband, all right? And number two, I'm not about to be a bad dad, okay? So I ain't play, I, I jump in as well, all right? And I also wanna let you guys know, this is not going, this was, not, this was like a three second like thing going on, right? I just drew it out, kind of showing you guys what happened. But this is like three seconds. So it's not like I'm like trying to figure this thing out. It's like, boom, boom, boom. I mean, I'm like, okay, I gotta go too, you know? And this is down in South Georgia and it's 50 degrees down in Moultrie. So like everyone's wearing their Patagonias and their beanies and sweatshirts because it's cold down there, right? So I had a game plan. I was gonna jump in and pull everybody out. I jump in and it is freezing. And my brain immediately goes, what are you thinking? And I'm like, I don't know, I'm trying to help people, what am I doing, you know? And so then I was like, okay, we gotta get it done. So I reach out and I grab the power wheel, I pull it back to the bank. For some reason, I look up and it's to my chest as well. I'm gonna tell you, I jump in, it's to my chest and there's like a false bottom. It's just kind of, I'm slowly sinking as well as I'm trying to do all this. Like it's just, it's awesome, you know? And so I'm trying to get them out. I grab the kids, I'm like throwing them out on the bank, okay? And then my cousin helps me out. I turn around, I help my wife out. And then we like pull this power wheel that's like in the water, like soaked in the water, like pull it out. It's just, I mean, it's just disgusting. So we get out, we have just like pond scum all over us. You guys know what I'm talking about? You've been there, right? You pulled a fish out and you're like, oh, that's kind of gross. Well, think about that, that's us, okay? We just got it all over us. Thank goodness we had some towels we were able to dry off and we did have a change of clothes because we had spent the night there. But it was just like, what are we doing? You know, this is a story we're probably gonna tell for the rest of our lives. But I love when I read this today and I just thought about Paul just went, right? I thought about my wife, all right? She didn't care what was going on. She didn't care what was in that water, right? She just went. 
She was compelled to go. Her kids that she loves were in the water. And so she just went for it. And again, like I said, my wife loves to tell that story to other people as well. And she loves to say I was on the bank for like minutes. But again, I just want to make sure it was like three to five seconds max, okay? So if you hear her tell that story, call her out. All right. So <clears throat> she was compelled to go. Yes, we need a plan and we need to get a game plan of what we're going to do. But sometimes we just need to go for it. So they begin their missionary journey. They head to Cyprus. And only eight verses later, Paul and his buddies, they run into opposition. And I think this is where a lot of us would run, right? We might ask, but God, didn't you call me to this? This should be easy. It should work. Where are you, God? You, you were the one that called me to this, and now there's opposition? Because we want it to be smooth sailing. When we start a ministry, when we leave our job, we begin a bakery, start a new small group, talk to someone about spiritual matters, invite someone to church, or whatever God might be calling us to do. We want it to be smooth. We want everyone to become a Christian. We want everyone to like us and love us because we're doing this good thing. But that's not how it works. And the reason I like to point this story out today, and I'm excited that I get a chance to talk about this, is this is Paul. This is the writer of most of the New Testament. This is his experience taking the gospel to the nations. So we'll see what happens. We're going to keep going. So they called out this sorcerer who was opposing them and even made him go blind. And then in verse 12, the proconsul, seeing what had happened, believed and was astonished about the teaching about the Lord. So despite the opposition, people believed. All right. So next, Paul and his guys head to Antioch. Here again, he goes to the Jews in the synagogue and Paul begins to tell the story of God's people. Okay, so he's telling them a lot of the Old Testament. He's telling them what happened. Again, Paul's super intelligent guy, Hebrew of Hebrews, all these kind of things. So he's telling them this story. So they're probably sitting there listening like, yep, we know this, we know this. And then he begins to weave in the story of Jesus. And he connects what we now know as, as the gospel in the Bible to these people here. And they're amazed. And they're like, we've never heard this kind of teaching before. And they're excited. And, and so what happens? Everyone believes no, but they do ask him to come back next week, which is a huge win. So we see verse 44, <clears throat> the following Sabbath, almost the whole town assembled to hear the message of the Lord. So here we're talking, right? We got some momentum. We got some excitement. God, you called me to this. Here we go. We got some fruit. Everything's gonna work out. You ever feel like this when you step out and do something? Maybe you start a new small group. Maybe you're serving a new, uh, in a new spot. Maybe you invite someone or any of these things. You're like, all right, here we go. We got some, you know, we got some movement. Verse 45, but when the Jews saw the large crowd, they were filled with jealousy and began to oppose what Paul was saying by insulting him. But God, didn't you call him to this? This should be, this should be easy, right? This should be going well. But isn't there verse 46? Paul said, it was necessary that God's message be spoken to you first. Again, he's speaking to the Jews but since you rejected it and consider yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. And thank goodness he did because most of us in this room that are, that are here today and watching online or anywhere, this is us. We are the Gentiles. God, God, is, God is providing a way for us to hear the gospel through Paul. So the Gentiles rejoiced and were excited and the message of the Lord spreads to the whole region. So here we go again. We got some momentum but in verse 50, the Jews got upset and stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas. So they dusted their feet 
and went to the next area. Next, they came to Iconium. Chapter 14, again, something very similar happened here. People believed, but when they got mad at them and they planned to stone them, so they left and went to another town. And this is all because of the gospel. And next, they make it to Lystra, and this is one of my, my favorite parts of, of, of his story. They make it to this place, Lystra, and they, they proclaim the gospel. They even heal a man. And then in verse 11, they say the gods have come down to us in the form of men. So the people here see this stuff, hear this story, and they think that Paul and Barnabas are gods. There's even, there's even these priests that had like temples to Zeus and Hermes and all these other gods. They're trying to sacrifice. They're, they're walking around behind Paul and Barnabas trying to sacrifice to them. And, and Paul and Barnabas are like, what are you doing? No, that's not what we're doing. Verse 14, Barnabas and Paul tear their robes and said, we are also men with the same nature as you. Again, guys, this is, this is Paul, writer in the New Testament, Hebrew of Hebrews, all these things, and this is his story. Because here's the deal, ministry is messy. And people say, but I might not know what to say, I might not know how to answer, I might not do the right things, I might mess up, or I might do something dumb, and here's the deal, you probably will. Actually, I can almost guarantee you will. If you step out and lead a, a group lead a small group, lead students or kids or any of those type things, go on a mission trip, become a missionary, any of those, you're gonna do something dumb. And again, this is Paul. He think, they think he's Hermes. Ministry is messy, especially missions. It doesn't always go the way we think. A lot of times when we feel called, we think it should go like this graph. Check this out. We think it should go like the one over there on the right. Success, straight up and down, right? Up and to the right. You guys have probably heard that if you're in business terms. It should go this. God, maybe, maybe it, might, it might be hard at first. We should get going. It should be easy sailing. But a lot of times in ministry and a lot of things in life, they look more like the thing on the other side. You might have some great days, right? Have some good conversations. Have some good stuff with people. And then you have some bad days. And it kind of goes up and down and up and down. But the cool thing about this is you look, you still see where the arrow ends. It's still a cool story when you look back and all of the cool things that God has done in your life. One of the cool things I get to do with my job now, I get to talk with missionaries all over the world that we have and I get to hear their stories, cool things that God's doing in their ministry, tough things that they're praying for and trying to work through. And I love hearing about them. Because I think so often we only hear about the positive things but it's cool hearing about all the many things going on. I also love reading uh, missionary biographies, just kind of the, the stuff that, that they kind of came up against. A couple I recommend, Hudson Taylor, he was a missionary to China. He didn't have a convert for years while he was there. Struggled getting in, even got put in prison for something he didn't do. They thought he was a spy. Adoniram Judson served in Burma. Things definitely didn't go all the way he had planned. And then William Carey, we call him the, the father of modern missions. He was a missionary to India struggled getting in and the language barrier was almost impossible. A lot of these missionaries gave up a ton. They, they left their families. People tried to get them to stay, but they knew the mission was to reach the nations and go where the gospel had not gone. They were compelled because of Christ's love for them. So back to our story, chapter or verse 19. 
Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and when they had won over the crowds, they stoned Paul. They drug him out of the city, thinking he was dead. Again, because of the gospel, because he's, he's sharing the good news, these people got upset and tried to kill him. And when the disciples surrounded him, and he was able to get, get up, and he kept going. And he went to another town called Derby. And I don't know about you guys, but I would almost feel like, okay, God, all right, I got it now. You know, we're doing the gospel, but you know what? I, you, you saved me. I didn't die, so now is probably my chance to get out, right? I would probably think this is, my, this is it, all right? We're, we're done. We've, you know, we've done our thing, but what do they do? Verse 21, they had gone to Derby, and when they preached the gospel to that city and made disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and back to Antioch. And I want to think when I read this, I'm really like, really, these are the places that tried to kill you, Paul? But you went back. Who would do that? Who would go back to the places that tried to kill you? But here's the deal. This is how the early church was planted. One church at a time, one person at a time, one city at a time. And Paul went back to these places where he had been pushed around and even left for dead. And why? Because Christ's love compelled him. His life had been changed forever because of Jesus, so he wanted to go and tell other people, and we should want to do the same. So I got two questions for you guys. You're taking notes. These are, these are on your sheet. <clears throat> First question is, what is God calling you to do? What is God calling you to do? Paul was called to take the gospels to the nations, go to the Gentiles and start churches, but what is God calling you to do? Is he calling you to start a ministry, be a mom and serve your kids, maybe even welcome other kids into your family that don't have homes? Talk to someone about Jesus, invite that family member, go on a mission trip, serve at a church, talk with a neighbor, lead a Bible study, mentor. Now, a lot of people, when I, when I challenge them that what is God calling you to do, people innately say, but what if something bad happens? Alan, what if something weird happens? This is 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 28. <clears throat> this is Paul looking back on his call and his ministry. He said, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in dangers of rovers, dangers of robbers, dangers of my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, danger at sea, Dangers from false brothers and toil and hardship and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's daily pressure on me for my anxiety for all the churches. Because here's the deal. Paul's life was a call to die to himself and live for Christ. And I think a lot of times, we're scared what people are gonna think about us. And I'm saying that as the first one. I'm the first one to say, oh, I need to talk to that person, but I'm a little nervous, right? What are they gonna say? What are they gonna think about me after I leave? Are they gonna talk about me weird? Or are they gonna now view me in a different light if I encourage them to go to church or if I ask them how their life's going, how can I pray for them? Number two, is God's mission bigger than our mission? Is God's mission for your life bigger than our mission. And this is tough for me as well, guys. I love to have a plan, like I told you. One of my love languages, right? 
But sometimes God has a bigger plan and a bigger mission than for me to live a comfortable life. And sometimes we need to just go for it. We need to take calculated risk, have a plan, but we need to go for it. And just like the story I told of my wife jumping in, I hope you guys will kind of formulate it in your mind. Think about that. Anytime that God is, is pressing on your heart, maybe it's to talk to someone at Kroger, or maybe it's to talk to someone at work, or maybe it's to encourage someone that you, that you just do everyday life with, and that God might be prompting you to do that. I pray that you would remember that story of me jumping in the water, because we were compelled, Right? When we love someone, we should want to help them. And uh, I don't know if you guys listened to the podcast. The podcast this week was great with Pastor Jay and Davey Pollock. They encouraged us not to be passive. They said, don't be passive, but to go for it. And I think so often we, we, we play that passive card, right? Well, maybe that's somebody else's call. Maybe that's somebody else's gonna do that. But if God's impressing upon your, your heart, I, ensure, I encourage you to go and challenge you to do it. Because it's worth it to go, whether it's next door, across the street, to the next town, or even overseas. Because Christ died for us, we should want to live for him. So I wanna wrap up with this story here today. You guys have probably heard this story if you've been in church at all. This is, this is a common story with missions, but I think it really brings home the point of what I'm talking about today. Well, there was this man, he had went on a vacation. He was on this island. It was a terrible storm had come through the night before. And so in the morning, he got up early and went onto the beach just to kind of assess the damage. When he got there, he saw there were thousands of starfish all across the beach. And he was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe all of this. You know, this is terrible. What are we gonna do? And he looked down at the ocean and he saw this little boy next to the water grabbing something and flipping it into the water. And he went down and said, hey, son, you know, what are you doing? And the little boy says, oh, I'm, I'm helping these starfish get back into the ocean. And the man turned around and he said, look at the, the beach. There's no way that you can get all these thousands, maybe even a million starfish back into the ocean before the sun gets them, before birds and seagulls and all these things get to them. And the little boy sits there and hesitates for a second and looks back down and bends down and grabs another one and he throws it into the water. And he looks at the man and says, well, I helped that one. And I, I love the simplicity of that story. Because I think so often in our minds, and when I talk with people, we get so wrapped up in the plan or we get so wrapped up in the thousands or even the millions or billions of people that need to hear the gospel, we forget about the one. We forget about the one. We know in Ephesians that, that God has called us for good works, that he has imparted on us opportunities, again, to, to step out, encourage one another, and invite someone to church, tell someone about Jesus. But I think so often we get so wrapped up in the plan or we're worried about what we're gonna say, what are we gonna do? We forget about the one. And just like that, that little up and to the right kind of thing I was talking about, the success story, when you just step out focusing on the one for 30, 40, or even 50 years, think about all the people that you can impact. Here in this community, where you live, near your house, your neighbors, 
at your workplace, whatever it might be. Again, Paul's call was to go start churches, take the gospel to the Gentiles. But what is God calling you to do? Maybe it's just a step. Maybe it's just to get going. Maybe it's just, to, again, to talk with someone. Reach out to a friend, reach out to a neighbor, reach out to a family member. My challenge for all of us in here today is to not give that to someone else. Not to try to say someone else will do that. That's someone else's job, that's someone else's call. No, that's what God has called us to do. And again, I don't know what he is calling each and every one of us to do, but I encourage you and I challenge you to go for it. Just like Paul did right here. And just like, again, my, my, my wife going after her kids. I challenge you to go for it. Don't be passive. Don't get bogged down in the plan. Don't get bogged down in what's going on around you. I know we're busy. I know we have life and all those things. But God is calling us to reach out and he's calling us to go for it. So let me pray for us. Father, I'm so thankful for your word. I'm thankful for your church and the opportunity that, that we've heard about the gospel. Lord, thankful, Father, for these verses. God, as a Gentile myself, that we're so thankful that, that again, you sent Paul to reach the nations. And Father, we can always think about our own life and think about who has shared Christ with us. We can always point back to them, and I pray, God, that we wouldn't let it stop with us, but we would continue the mission. We would continue to tell others about Jesus and whatever you're calling us to do, Lord, that we would go for it. I know that we have a lot going on in our lives. We have kids, we have a job, we have a house, we have a car, we have all these things, but Father, I pray that we would step out and go. Don't let a plan don't let our own fear, anxiety, or any of that, or worry, any of those things hold us back. But Lord, I pray that whatever you're calling us to, whether that's, again, to serve in the church, go next door, go overseas, maybe even start a church, plant a church, or any of those kind of things, Father, I pray that we wouldn't hesitate. But like Paul did, Father, I pray that we would do that. In your name we all pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more of these messages or info on Greystone Church, feel free to visit our website, greystonechurch.com. We pray that you will have an amazing day.